Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. Hello and welcome guys to Story Chat, the offshoot of stories the true and the fictional. We have an exciting guest all the way from Washington. Is, is that the place, Michael? Washington State, yes indeed. Washington State. We're learning all about other countries, um, still avoiding our own for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> We don't like Australians at all. No. Oh, you're lovely people. I spent two <laughs> weeks there. I had a grand time. Where'd you go? Yeah, see, but that's because you're a tour. That's because you were a tourist at the time, and we want to keep the money coming in. That's but if true. you actually move here and live here, we're not very nice. <laughs> I know. I have a friend from high school who married an Australian and moved to um, to Sydney, and she's like, "It's awful here. They're, yeah, they're exactly. terrible people." <laughs> well, like, I can't actually, wait to escape I'm, back. I'm up in, um, I'm, I'm actually at my dad's place at the moment up on the, uh, uh, it's a coastal sea town. So I'm actually in heaven right now. Uh, this is God's country up here. It's a place called Tea Gardens right on the beach and the lake up here. So normally I'm coming to you from right in the heart of Sydney, which is just city and I hate it. And I just, I'm in that stage where I just want to live in rural towns and stuff like that. So I'm in a good mood today because I look out my window and there's beach. So. Oh, that, that, that <laughs> will improve your mood. Uh, so I, I spent, um, I was there because uh, at one point in my life, I was a roller derby referee. Oh, nice. And um, some uh, Australian company thought it'd be awesome to uh, bring two teams of roller derby girls from yep. Los Angeles, New York. And we did a tour of Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Oh, nice. um, so I spent a little bit of time, a couple of days in each of those cities. Um, which I feel was just long enough to give me the most shallowest of impressions of those yeah. of those cities. But oh, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask it. you ask you a question, Michael. What was the worst city you visited, and why was it Melbourne? <laughs> you know, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, so this this was my this is my shallow observation. Okay. Um, Sydney is like Los Angeles and New yep. York yep. mixed together. Uh, Melbourne is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brisbane is Portland, uh, Portland, okay. Oregon. Yeah. Um, I loved Brisbane the most. Mm-hmm. It yeah. might be because I spent the most time there. Cause I, after the tour ended, I spent, uh, two extra days there, oh, awesome. um, which, uh, I really, I really love Brisbane, 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 it's <laughs> Brisbane, right. Or Brisbane. Yeah. You said you had it spot on Brisbane. So yeah. I love Brisbane. Uh, Melbourne was fine. Uh, it was fine. And Sydney was just, we were kind of, we were staying at the Olympic Village. So we didn't oh, really no. had like one afternoon where we got to see the, yeah. the Opera House, which by mm-hmm. the way, the Opera House, that building is filthy. You guys need a good power wash. Yeah. Because that building is gross. Uh, we, need, we need to get the carter out and just give it a, a hose. Exactly. Yeah. My, my, my uncle actually helped build the Opera House. Yeah. Well, yeah. can you get him on that? Does he yeah. have somebody who can, well, who can uh, request that? He's a bit old now, but... Uh... <laughs> He actually had to abseil, abseil down the side and, you know, tell them to position the arches when they went on. But 
No, I agree. With and you. they're um, supposed to look like that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently, there was. A, I don't know too much about. I mean, it's my only my own country, but I don't know much about the history. But apparently, from what I remember, and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a competition um, for designs for the Opera House back when it was built. I think in the fifties. I'm not 100 percent sure, but um, yeah, there was competitions, and I think it was a Swedish artist. I'm not 100 percent sure that won. And that's where the design came from. So those Swedes. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? They can't make a decision to save them save their lives, you know, sitting <laughs> on the border. But, They're always um, hedging their bets. They're like, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's 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 you know, um I, look, I will agree. I'm born and bred in Sydney, um, but I do like Queensland a lot. Like that's my go-to holiday. Did you get a chance to go to the Gold Coast at all? No, we were right. supposed to, uh, we were supposed to, but the, the tour originally was supposed to be like five cities, like all mm -hmm. over the country, uh, but ticket sales were so bad. I guess Australia just was not interested in American style roller derby. Um, yeah. So it, it went from being like five cities all around the country yep. to being cut down to just those three cities. Uh, we were supposed well, to do Gold Coast for one, uh, one game. Gold um, Coast is good, but it's more like you're... Like, it's just, it, it is the key tourist destination. Like, people that come to Australia will come to Sydney to do, like, the Opera House, the Harbour Bridge, mm. and then they'll go to the Gold Coast to get drunk and make bad life choices. So, <laughs> I um, feel like when we were there was maybe, like, your guys' equivalent of spring break. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah so was... They call it schoolies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and then there was like, hey, well, I might be misremembering, but I feel like there was a death, and that was like the bit, like someone fell off a balcony. And yeah, some, I'll some like that. College yeah. kid had died, and uh, yep. so it was like a, a big, big deal. Which yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, uh, basically what it is is uh, when when our there's a break between our what you guys will call your SATs. We mm -hmm. we call them uh, their what are they called now, Jamie? Is it UAC or something? It's it's like the big end of school test. I, uh, HSE or HSE, that's the one, yeah. Um, and determines whether what university you go to at, with SATs or college. Um, but there's a break of about I think about six to eight weeks between when year twelve, our final year finishes, and the exams happen. I'm pretty sure during that twelve weeks, everyone just gets wasted, and most people do go to the Gold Coast, or if they're cashed up, they go to Bali. So, uh, okay. Yeah, so that, that would have been about right. Yeah, you probably would have been there right in the middle of that. Mm. So not a nice. Not, I never went um, because I was a bit of an. I'm a, I'm a massive nerd, so I never went on schooling. <laughs> I, I just wanted to stay home and play Final Fantasy. Um, Fair so, which is my idea of a spring break. You know, take some time off and study for my exams, and you know, play role playing games. There you go. That's <laughs> that's, that's really a more more uh, useful. Hundred uh, percent. Yeah. Yeah. I learned more life lessons from Final Fantasy VII than I would have done from going on getting drunk and hooking up with people. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get cracked in. So, um, obviously, we know you're from Washington State. Um, why don't you, Michael, take a bit of time just to tell us who you are, what you do, and then we'll crack into some icebreaker questions. All right. So I'm Michael Tanner. Uh, I am a comic book writer. Uh, I, you know, I have a day job. Well, in theory, I have a day job. But uh, my fun thing that's fun to talk about is being a comic book writer. I've been doing that for oh God, about, uh, about eight years. Wow. Um, and that's been a lot of fun. I've gotten to do some really cool things uh, with some of the books that I've done. I've self-published. I've been published by like uh, publishers. Um, 
but yeah, like before comic books, uh, like I mentioned, I was a roller derby referee for eight years in Los Angeles, which you oh. know, provi- you know, let me go to Australia for a paid yeah. vacation for two weeks, basically. Um, yeah, and uh, right now I'm pushing a couple different comic books, and I, I host a podcast myself called Burn After Pitching, which yeah. is a comedy pitching podcast where we have guests on to pitch their ideas on a particular topic from new ice cream flavors to tie in with movies or TV shows uh, or reboots of uh, John Hughes movies. That was a recent episode we did. Oh, nice. You'll have to have us on one time, but I guarantee you we'll blow out the airtime if you get us talking about, you know, something like the Marvel movies or Ninja Turtles for Jamie and on how to to make a proper movie, not a Michael Bay movie. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I've been wanting to do a Ninja Turtles episode, so oh. maybe we will have to make that happen. Jamie, Jamie, seriously, <laughs> is his obsession. So you know, we all love him. I love Ninja Turtles. I've read I've, the comics are amazing. I've read, I've watched all the movies and watched all the shows. But Jamie is the go-to Ninja Turtle fan. So there you go. See, networking, it works. There we go. It's, <laughs> it's you know, the teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. John Cena saying. said in the classic motion picture, Dr. Doolittle starring Robert Oh, Dodge. exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll see you in that. I couldn't see him. Uh. Uh, I, I'm, the, I'm the, Michael, I'm the wrestling guy. And when I say I'm the wrestling guy in this podcast, I watch between 14 to 16 hours of wrestling a week. Um so, I've had literally, I've had relationships end because of the amount of time that I used to watch wrestling back in really? the, back in the day. Yeah, oh, and I used yeah, to I was, like. I was lucky. I was lucky. I was married for ten years, and uh, to my best, she's still my best friend now. Uh, but she she was sort of into wrestling, mainly in the Attitude Era. But um, yeah, she was. Um, she's always she was always kind enough to let me facilitate fourteen hours at least a week of. Of, of WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan, you name Perfect. it, Ring of Honor, everything. So, yeah. Well, then you're going to like the comic book that I'm here yes. to, to to plug. Exactly. Sci-fi wrestling comic Excellent. book. And that, look, I can't, I, I love sci-fi. I love wrestling. So this is probably going to make me go. a very happy man. <laughs> but before like we get into so. that, we'll, yeah. we'll dive into the icebreakers. Oh, um, yeah, I'm ready. So I'm just going to work out. I'm going to take the first one because question number three is my favourite question. Um, so, Michael, if you could get rid of one thing in the world, what would it be? Um, I, I, I really, uh, I, I tried to think of a good, like, quippy answer because yeah. you got to have a quippy answer. Yeah, of course. Um, but, like, it's hard to think of a quippy. Like, if I could get rid of one thing, like, what would I want to get rid of? Well, like, oh, you, like you want to do like the beauty pageant thing, but like, I'd get rid of poverty. Yeah, um, you know, like I'm a good person. Look at me. <laughs> look at me. Say, I want to get rid of poverty, or I'd like to get rid of racism. You know what? Yeah. You know, let's get rid of the racism in the world. Which, yes, those are completely valid answers. Yeah. But while you think about like, why do I really want to get rid of? I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to do the nice in between one, which I don't know if you guys can even relate, but I would want to get rid of student debts because I think that's a thing that we should, uh, we should get rid of that here. And um, I know in the United States, I don't know what Australia is like uh, education system. If you guys have crippling student debt. I've still got uni debt. So, and I'm 40 and I finished uni in uh, when I, about 18 years ago. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah I agree. <laughs> uh, and and I say that, and I can say that because I'm very lucky to not have any student debt. Because um, 
uh, my dad had a really good day at the racetrack uh, <laughs> when I was in college. And literally, uh, that's why I do not have student loan debt. Um, my dad picked the right ponies that day. Excellent. And he did the right thing by you. And he's like, here you go, son. This is going to pay yeah. for your food. You know, I thought when he left for those cigarettes, I'd never see him again. But he came. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. No, we, um, in Australia, our student debts is not too bad because you have to earn over a certain amount of money before you have to start paying them back. Uh -huh. So I just haven't hit that threshold. They keep increasing the threshold, which is great. So yeah. I, I get a new job and get a promotion and earn a little bit more. And the government says, you know what, we're going to increase that. I'm like, okay, cool. If I never have to pay it back, I'm going to pay it yeah. back. So. All right, moving on to the next one. Yep. Cool. Michael, what's on your bucket list, mate? Bucket list. Okay. Uh, I think my bucket list um, now is a pretty easy one. I really would like to go to like Ireland or Scotland. Oh, yeah. Um, and like do something crazy, like spend the night in a haunted castle. I don't believe in ghosts, but I think it would be neat to spend the night in a haunted castle. Well, my um, my ex-wife is Irish. She was born and raised over there in um, Southern Ireland in the good part. Um, and um, yeah, she, she, she's she been to Blarney Castle, you know, where you got the Blarney Stone and mm -hmm. the, they kept for good luck and everything. And um and my 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 relatives are from Scotland and from England, so I'm right there with you. I wanted to go to Loch Ness. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, massive Loch Ness. I, I'm a believer. I hope <laughs> you know. I'd love to go there, but no, I, we've had a couple of people say that. So hopefully, now that the world's sort of slowly opening up due to, from COVID again, we might be able to get there. Yeah, and I, and it's like on terms of bucket list that's of such a very kind of like yeah. low effort one like literally yeah. like, just just buy an airfare man uh exactly. but like people were like i want to climb a mountain like i want to climb mount kilimanjaro i'm like that's a that's a good one i mean because that is like you could kick the bucket on that so that's a good bucket list one <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> to, to die while trying to to <laughs> you know check one off your bucket list that's a that's a baller move, man. You just got to make I'll sure you leave that to the last. You yes. do that last. Do the easy ones. <laughs> do the simple ones. Do the vacation ones. Do the like, I want to learn to sail a boat. Great. You could watch a YouTube video, pal. Uh, <laughs> but like the dangerous ones. Yeah. Save that for last. Excellent. No, I think that's, I think that's a very good bucket list. That's on mine too. So now this is a question we do pass judgment on. But I think you're going to be okay because I, I feel like you're one of us. So I feel like your answer to this question is going to, going to be okay. Um, what, and now this could be two parts. What is the greatest sitcom, sitcom ever made? And if it's not your favorite, what is your favorite? Ah, okay. So I'm a, I, I, think there, I think there's two categories because mm -hmm. there's uh, what's the greatest single camera sitcom yep. and what's the single greatest multicam. Mm -hmm. single, the single cam greatest sitcom of all time is The Office. Yes. Um, Which one? American only. Okay. Well, yep. the American one, because the UK one is too short. Like yep. there's like 12 episodes of that show. Two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two seasons. Um, uh, so... Single cam, definitely the office. Multicam, I thought, like office came to me right away. Yeah. For multicam, I think it has to be one that is still kind of in that classic sitcom 
the classic modern sitcom, but also like redefined it. So I yeah. gotta go with Seinfeld. Yeah, like, I'll agree with you. Seinfeld's amazing. I think, I think it's Seinfeld. Yeah. And The Office as well, because The Office, um, even, I love, I love, I'm a big Ricky Gervais fan, so I do mm. like the British one, but I'm a huge, Steve Carell yeah. made The Office popular. He is Michael Scott. He is perfect. Um, yeah, 100%. And we obviously got, um, I can never pronounce his last name, but we got John Krasinski. Yeah, that's the one. Krasinski out of it. And he, obviously, he's gone on to be, to be huge. Yeah, it's wild that like Jim from The Office yeah. is like had the career that he has where he's like it's it's weird how famous he is for not really having done anything else as high profile. Yep. Like he doesn't have like that film franchise. He doesn't have those iconic roles other than Jim from The Office still. Yeah. But man, that dude like like and now he's transitioning to being a filmmaker with the 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 quiet the noisy place. alien movies yeah the quiet place yeah um so like yeah that's that's wild um and the the thing that i really point to why the office i think is the greatest is because there are like teenagers mm-hmm. who watch that and love it yeah like that is a show that should seem like a time capsule of like they should there's so much because my wife does like an annual rewatch of the whole yep. series. Like, yep. so, so that means I do an annual rewatch of the yeah. whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much in that show that is so firmly grounded in like 2005, mm-hmm. 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. like world technology, like yeah. viewpoints. Um, but that, that a kid, like someone who was literally a toddler or not even born yet when that show was on can watch it and still love it. Yeah. Like it's, there's, there's some magic in the office, um, especially those first, like those first six seasons. Well, um, I, I've started to do, I just recently started my rewatch of it. I, I try and do this. I don't do it as, as much as you guys. I try and do it once every two years if I can. Um, I'm up to season three at the moment, but I messaged Jamie when I was watching season one, the diversity episode with Michael Scott doing the Chris Rocket impression. I'm like, they could not do this now. (laughs) And And they they don't. They took they took that episode out of syndication, which is funny because it (laughs) a lot of it kind of like yeah, you kind of missed the point, but yeah, so much of it, so much of like comedy now. And I say this as someone who is not like an old man, like John Cleese complaining about no one can laugh anymore. I'm just like, yeah, I get it. Like there's some stuff that like people don't assume goodwill and why should they assume goodwill? Um, But yeah, like it's, that is a, that's a classic episode that, you know, but also is it necessary? No. Um, Not necessarily. No, like, but it was, I, the only way that we could get it, I, I bought it. I bought the office collection on Apple TV on iTunes Ah. and they didn't, obviously they didn't take it out there, but I think Jamie said he went to watch it on Disney plus, which we have over here. Um, And that, that episode is not there. No. no. Yeah. I mean, I just, but I was watching it and I think when I watched it, when it first came out, it didn't affect me, but watching it a couple of months ago when I was going through my rewatch, I'm like, wow, especially, (laughs) you know, I'm just like, the balls they had back then you know what i mean there's no other way to say it and there's weird stuff like i am one of those people who um i hate like um bad faith takes on like i there was for a while i don't know like in your guys' social media circle or whatever there's a lot of things that were like jim and pam are the real villains of the office yeah 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 
are they are they just the most like realistic people so yeah. when they are flawed you hate it more because they're flaws you see in yourself yeah. or in your exactly. everyday life like the the reminder of like dwight is insane <laughs> I and, love like <laughs> angela is a bigot like there's yeah. like so many of these characters are far worse if you actually like get dead like mm-hmm. michael scott is an idiot like he is <laughs> um, he really is like so it's like really jim and pam are the worst people on that show like come on like for real like it it, it's it's a very annoying like i want it's someone wanting to have a fresh take on something or to like get you know rage clicks i'm like i i I think you've hit the nail on the head it is because they're the most relatable and we see the most of ourselves in jim and pam and that's why we don't oh no 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 i'm not like that so yeah i mean like yeah, like so, there's I a mean, good example of the discussion. <laughs> well, there's there's one that like that for some reason doesn't it gets brought up sometimes I guess where like uh, when Andy's character when he comes back from anger management and he yeah. wants to be called <laughs> Drew like he wants yeah. to start fresh and yeah. like oh I'm Drew now yeah. and Jim and he's like can you call me call me call me Drew and yeah. Jim just was like I'm not gonna do that where like <laughs> at that time that reads one way but now I'd be like yeah yeah he's freaking call him drew what's the big deal jim just call him by the name he wants to be called it's not a big deal but at the time we were like oh yeah andy's being dumb trying to change his name like like now i'm just like yeah life's too short like let let that person be called what they want to be called i don't care like it does does me no harm no i get it and I, i think it's one of the the shows that you know it, it, it does stand the test of time because I've watched it multiple times. Like I don't hate me for this, but I tend to win my rewatches. I tend to stop when Steve Carell leaves That's because fair. I'm not a fan of Ed Helms too much. And then Will Ferrell. I like Will Ferrell, just didn't like him in that role. So. Yeah, the show changed. Like they obviously they had to change. Yeah. Um, and and so much of like Ed Helms be, becoming a focus was the Hangover movies. Yeah, of course. Um, where literally like they've said that NBC was like, the show's about Ed Helms now. Yes, he's the star. He's the star. Yeah. Uh, and so like, okay, I guess we make it about Andy. Yeah. And then once that kind of backed off and it became an ensemble show, um, that like it's it's a very different kind of show. Uh, and I still I still like it. There's some parts that like Aaron the you know the new uh you know receptionist she's a great character like she is a i and like she kind of started to come into her own with michael still there Mm -hmm. and then once he left like well she became the new pam and that's fine like i like that they at least were they kind of understood that characters needed to grow and transition Um, so like jim and pam's stories are now more domestic and then Mm -hmm. depressing as they almost get a divorce but like uh but you still get like weird stuff like there's a certain heart that once crow left the show could kind of explore everyone yeah a lot more um no i totally uh, agree you're right i suppose with when when um you know steve Carell was in it it was kind of the steve Carell show yeah and the rest i get, I get what you're saying there so maybe i might go back and 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 then on my this rewatch continue on past his years i just mm. i guess because i was a massive steve Carell fan i just yeah you know, he was just, Michael Scott was just, 
It's it's it was so insane. I, I, there's some episodes I just sit, sit there and I'm like, you cannot possibly be that stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the, the there's one episode um, that's a really hard watch nowadays, which is the episode China, where Michael yep. becomes obsessed with China. Yeah. Um, because he's like, as an American, mm-hmm. it is such a horrific window into our future as a country, mm-hmm. because Carell is 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 like he's running for office in that episode because i'm yeah. like he's an idiot and yeah. he's getting people to believe his idiotic things mm-hmm. um so that that's a very hard watch and i think that's why um some shows are like i i parks and rec i think yep. is still a good show but yep. that is a much harder watch nowadays mm-hmm. because what seemed like satire of small town life <laughs> became oh god it really <laughs> is like that yeah. um yeah. like I had the opportunity to learn about how the inner workings of a small town that I used to live in, a small city that I used to live in. And I'm like, oh, they are like the city council are idiots. It is horribly corrupt. All of those, like the, all those, you know, city departments are run by like idiots. Um, And the people who go to city council meetings are idiots and they're the ones who are voting and like oh my god this is horrible so it's like it's so it's so hard to watch you're like oh this is like and that's why ron that that's why ron swanson's the hero of that show oh 100 exactly 100 he does not want to get involved with this awfulness oh i still i still my favorite thing with the entire series other than chris pratt is when um when the little girl comes in and 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 he um She's learning about how the council works, how the government works, and she does a little essay. And his mom comes and goes, "This is the essay she wrote." It's like, why does why does government matter? It doesn't. <laughs> that, yeah, it's yeah. Look, I, I knew I knew we'd get a good answer out of you, Michael, because I feel like they're, they're literally the same kind of shows that we're into. And, and mm. yeah, hundred percent, I agree. You you just it's really hard to, to watch sometimes. <laughs> Especially when you grow, you're growing up and you're dealing with, and you're like, hold on, this stuff actually happens. Yeah, it's the point where it's no longer just like cringe, like, oh, yeah. it's so cringy, and you're like, ah, this, it's too real. Like, yeah, exactly. This, this isn't funny because this is too real. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll let Jamie take the next question. Well, speaking of zombies, uh, <laughs> have you got a zombie apocalypse plan over there? Absolutely. Although I used to, because as a writer of zombie fiction. Um, I, of course, I had a zombie plan, but now I've kind of uh, softened on it. Um, My original plan that I had for years was I thought one of the best places to go, depending on kind of time of day that the the apocalypse hits, I guess, would be, uh, I don't know if you guys have them there, but Costco, uh, which is a big warehouse store. Okay, so I think at Costco, because it essentially, it is a warehouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are very few entrances and exits to the main Mm -hmm. building, and the ones, the main entrances are dropped drop doors like a garage uh and it is fully stocked with food clothes uh tools Mm -hmm. it's fully stocked but also it's usually full of people and that's probably not the safest space but if like at in the night i was gonna say yeah midnight or something if it yeah i would i would i would go to a costco with a grappling hook or something to get on (laughs) the roof find my way in but yeah i think a costco is probably the um if i if i'm uh sheltering in place uh when i yeah. when, when i lived in california like the idea of escaping to um the mountains or you know mm-hmm. uh less populated areas um is less 
likely because you got to go through a heck of a lot of city uh before you can get there but now yep. uh, now in washington state like um it's there's a lot more trees there's still a lot of people but there's a lot more trees so places to hide on on my way to the costco well with, with costco out here it's it's kind of just really jamie you probably agree it's kind of just sort of happened in the last five years we only have i think maybe about five in new south wales so luckily one of them's quite close to sort of the same distance between me and jamie so ah. but i always said we have this um kind of like your walmart we have a store called bunnings which is mm-hmm. a, a, it's essentially a huge hardware store like a massive chain chainsaws axes yeah uh, easy ways to make flamethrowers i'm not encouraging these kids if you're listening <laughs> don't go to bunnings to make flamethrowers but it's easily to do you know they're the kind of and they've got the shears because you always see in horror movies on a Come on, a zombie's got to get its head shut off. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> if you got a good um, pair of garden shears, yeah. you're going to do okay. <laughs> um, lawnmowers as well. I don't know if you being being a. Do you, I don't know. Do you remember an old Peter Jackson movie called Brain Dead, Michael? Have of course. The, the, I, the, have, the, I, the I watched Brain Dead years ago. Yeah. Oh, I love Brain Dead. Uh, one of one of Peter Jackson's earliest movies. But the, the scene with the lawnmower and they cut down about a hundred zombies just with right. the lawnmower. I've always wanted to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bunnings would be my place, but yeah, no, I, I Jamie lives in the mountains, so I guess I'd probably stop by Bunnings, grab some stuff for us, and head up to his place. The mountains is a good idea, I think, that you've had because lots of forests, lots of trees. Yep, yeah. well, there's only one road into my town. Mm. Oh, there you go, backed onto well, that. Out. Also, means there's only one road out. Yes, oh, there's, there's you know, fire trails. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, Jamie's the man of the bush, he knows. He'll be able to get us out, I'm sure. Yeah. I know all the uh, secrets. <laughs> all right, the last question, and, and probably one of my favourite. Um, Elon Musk gives you a call, Michael, and says, I want, I've just invented an electric time machine. I'm not willing to buy Twitter at the moment, but I've got an electric time machine, <laughs> and I want you to test it out. What do you do, and where do you go? I go back to South yeah. Africa, mm-hmm. and I, um, I, uh, I somehow con... Elon Musk's dad out of that emerald mind so we don't have to deal with Elon Musk in the modern day. I'm going to take the hit. If I get back to the future and I just slowly fade away, I'll take that hit, world of 2022. If that goes awry and then all of a sudden the time machine disappears and then... Yeah, wow. But then I've got an emerald mine, which apparently was quite profitable. And then all of a sudden... All of a sudden, it's not Elon Musk disappears from our Twitter feed, and it's Michael Tanner. Yeah, and oh man, and I, I've become what I sought to destroy: yeah. the poetry, the poetry of it. I was going to say, and you might notice, being a comic book writer, you've got a touch of the Alan Moore. So I think, I think if we we would, I could picture you an, an old, like an Alan Moore lookalike back in the in, in the days. You know, just Elon Musk is gone, and now no more like Teslas or anything. It's just sci-fi and comedy and wrestling exactly. and, I love it. and i'll be your right hand yeah <laughs> right hand sit at the right hand of the new god that's probably my favorite answer so far um. yeah, i love it i absolutely love it. you're turning his technology on himself <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic all right well thanks for answering those icebreaker questions michael so now the reason that we're here so tell us about your comic book we'll start with the comic book um, all right. But yeah, tell us about. So my question being, I'm a massive comic book nerd. I read all 
all labels, all publications, you name it. Um, you've, you obviously mentioned in the intro that you're self-published, but you've also worked with some publishers. So what, what mm-hmm. publishers have you worked with? So uh, most of my books are out through Oni Press. Yep, Oni most Press people well. know as the publisher of Scott Pilgrim. That's like yep. the, the high point. Um, I also, unfortunately, I can't say who. I've got another book series coming that's about to be announced from a major mm. book publisher. Um, I was hoping that I'd be able to start talking about it, um, but have not gotten the go ahead yet. Okay. But it is a fun middle, middle reader uh, sci-fi, like grounded sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, two book series that should be announced soon. Um, and so, so from Oni Press, uh, the first series I did with them, and it's still ongoing, um, is called Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. Okay. It's a kids fighting zombies book. It's about mm-hmm. a group of junior braves who are kind of like the Boy Scouts, but not the Boy Scouts. They go on a week-long camping trip where they learn all sorts of fun outdoor wilderness skills. And when they return to their small mountain town, the zombie mutant apocalypse has happened. The town is destroyed. Their families are missing. Everyone else they come across is either a hideous zombie mutant or has been driven insane. So now the junior rays have to use all of their wilderness survival skills to make it through this dangerous new world. Uh, so the first two books in the series are out now. The third book is a bit delayed due to like COVID issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably like realistically, it's probably coming out in either late, late 2023 or mid 2024 based on publishing cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also uh, am working on a series called Orcs in Space. Nice. Uh, and I'm doing that with um, Abed and Rashad Gaith and Justin Roiland, co-creator of Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Um, and the artist Francois Vignon. Uh, he's French Canadian, so I always have to throw that little extra pizzazz whenever I say his last name. Pronounce it And that's a that's a really fun comedy sci-fi book about uh, three idiot orcs from a kind of Dungeons and Dragons style planet yep. who uh, end up stealing the most advanced spaceship in the galaxy and oh, wow. go on a wild uh, sci-fi adventure. Uh, and that is twelve issues, and I think. Uh, the the second collected volume just came out uh, by when this episode uh, goes out will have just come out I think the week or two before mm-hmm. um, and the four issues are going thanks to the, the awesome paper shortages going on uh, in the publishing industry the last four issues are digital only mm-hmm. um, but those are available on Comicsology and once those issues are out that'll also be published uh, in a physical. Uh, volume three collection um it's a really fun series uh it's a lot of fun working with with justin and um and the two brothers abed and rashad uh abed we always like he's if the name abed sounds familiar is he's actually the namesake of abed from community oh really yeah uh, he used to he used to you know hang out and work with with dan Harmon and dan named uh abed after oh wow wow Um, so that that's always that's always a fun like bit of trivia to add in there uh the character like character wise he's not really they're not really that similar um but that's that's the namesake Uh, but yeah orcs in space is a lot of fun and then for self-published books uh i did a couple years ago i did a one shot which is a uh, my homage to action exploitation movies from the late 70s early 80s called strike team codename diamond force oh that's uh, such a that's a movie from that uh, from that era is, right right <laughs> uh, so it's a uh, when the president's mistress is kidnapped by ninjas only strike team codename diamond force can save her <laughs> okay um, when can i get this now michael 
You can uh, digitally. I will well, right now on my phone. I want it right now. Um, <laughs> I will email you. Sorry, King Codename Diamond Force because it's really expensive to ship to Australia. Uh, yeah, and you know what? We don't have. I do most of my reading digitally because we don't have. I think there's like five comic book shops in the whole of Australia. Ah, yeah. uh, they've shut down over the last 10 years um yeah so i do all my reading through comicsology so i i will send yeah. you a copy other uh, people who aren't inviting me onto their podcast uh, <laughs> you can get it through my website by which is by or you can visit yep. my web store where you can be you michael tanner comic books Excellent. so i did a strike team code named diamond force uh through kickstarter that's crowdfunded Excellent. um with a great artist lucas kowalschuk who was um I always described as kind of uh, 80s uh, TMNT on acid. Um, like it's it's a very kind of crazy cartoony style. Uh, he does a lot of 80s throwback books. Um, I, he did a book called Only Wrestling is Real, uh, which is great. Right up my alley. Yeah. Um, and then so right now uh, I'm running a, a Kickstarter um, for a book called Battle Grapple Rebel which is a sci-fi pro wrestling book. Um, it's uh, in the far future. Humanity is now a, a star-spanning galactic confederation. And the most popular form of entertainment is the battle grapple, which is what we would call pro wrestling. Nice. And it's about a young battle grappler who kind of just graduates from grapple school. And he's, he's looking for gigs and he wants to make it big in the, in the industry. Um, and that's it's hard because it's it's a very big story, but only the first issue. Like we're, this is Kickstarter for the first issue, so I can't reveal too much. But it really is: can a wrestler save the galaxy? Yes, um, yes, they can. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert! But in my mind, yeah, spoiler yes, alert. I think he's, he's going to do it. He might do it. Uh, his name is Spin Kilter, and he's supposed to be like kind of like that very much like you know meat and potatoes baby face, um, like kind of naive, doesn't really like. He's, he's sweet and and the grapple business is, is cutthroat yeah um, he's got to find a way to to make make his mark uh, and so this first issue is the start of that journey and people can jump on board kickstarter and which i will be doing yep. after this podcast and, Absolutely. and support you straight away yep it goes through may 9th yeah uh and the book is was uh First plan for for black and white because mm -hmm. color is expensive. Yeah. But if we get to 100 backers, which hopefully will be there by the time this episode comes out, but if not, mm -hmm. if we get to 100 backers, uh, we've got the colorist on board and he'll uh, do the book in color. So everyone awesome. who backs it will get a color version of the book. Uh, and we had some pretty fun uh, stretch goals, uh, like uh, trading cards mm -hmm. uh, for the grapplers. And we had uh, a tier that you could get a customized action figure of yourself as a grappler um mm. or it just didn't necessarily have to be yourself you but you could like get a custom action figure nice. um, that was our big ticket item and i think there at one point all of them were sold but as what happens with kickstarter sometimes pledges drop out and so mm -hmm. one person dropped out so there was one more and we we're thinking about adding more so if you're listening to this go check out the kickstarter page and see if there's any more custom action figure level available um, 100%. yeah it, it's it's a lot of fun. It was uh, um, we've had some sort of beta readers look at it who are familiar with wrestling, and uh, they were like, "This is legit. You got the terminology down. Like, wow, this feel this feels real." And it all came out of um, me getting lunch with an old friend of mine 
who uh, we used to do. Well, we actually, uh, he did comedy improv and I did comedy improv mm-hmm. with the same group, but at different times. Yeah. But he also used to train as a pro wrestler. Uh, and he decided it wasn't for him after like very early on, he got like his front teeth knocked out. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, this is fun. <laughs> this isn't for me. But we were talking about it and he's also like a huge Star Wars fan. And mm. we, were, we were just talking about like pro wrestling and like sci-fi and Star Wars yeah. and stuff. And we're like, what would, what would pro wrestling be like in the Star Wars universe? Amazing. Um, yeah, like the, the, <laughs> the novel idea and whenever you see pro wrestling uh, mm-hmm. depicted in media, mm-hmm. um, it's either like th- a shoot like mm-hmm. they are really trying to kill each other, especially yep. if you see it depicted in like, if you take pro wrestling to move it anywhere other than right now where people understand that it's a show and like things mm-hmm. are predetermined and whatnot. But if you if you did like a medieval pro wrestling thing, mm-hmm. it's, oh, they're, they're in medieval times, but they're trying to actually kill each other. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Or it's like, it's the episode of Star Trek Voyager with The Rock where it's like, it's it's a it's like it's gladiatorial they're actually yeah. trying to kill each other but we're it's it's under this you know veneer of pro wrestling mm-hmm. this does not do that this is mm-hmm. pro wrestling everyone understands what it is mm-hmm. it's not seen as a sport it is a program with athletes performing yeah but it's entertainment so they un- they understand and so that allows us to kind of tell the story like it's a under underdog sports story mm-hmm in the context of pro wrestling so it's kind of sports kind of not but it's kind of a lot of the trappings but you can also talk about it in the way of like these are characters like the spin has to worry about like what oh what my what's my character going to be because i'm going to have to kind of be that character when i'm like yeah. out in the world um and so it's it's playing with both sides like the in the ring and the behind the scenes and how it can affect people's lives that sounds amazing seriously like that does i mean it's yeah I, 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 I mean, the, yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I want it now. Seriously. Like, yeah. yeah. I like it's, and I'll be honest with you guys. Cause here, like when the episode comes out, like, well, you know, it'll be close to wrapping up. Mm-hmm. Like we are funded, but the funding goal is only like the first step. Exactly. And we're really trying to get like the, you know, to hundred backers is great but we also need more money to pay that that colorist so like getting the the um the you know the the dollar amount up is important and it's been kind of um it's been a struggle like crowdfunding is 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 rough it is rough and it's emotionally draining Mm -hmm. and it's like like i am going from this recording into another podcast to promote like the book and then tomorrow night i'm recording two podcasts to promote like Mm -hmm. the kickstarter it's it's really exhausting. So I get where like, I have, I have a, a friend who like uh, Russell Naholte, who he basically is a one-man publishing company mm-hmm. and he runs like five Kickstarters a year that all fund. Like he now has spent years building his audience where he'll have a Kickstarter that raises $20,000. Mm-hmm. But then he breaks it down. He's like 10,000 of that goes to actually printing the book, yeah. you know, like you know, 5,000 of it goes to paying all the people who made the book possible. So he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not making money. Like it might seem like I am bringing in a ton of money, but yeah. I'm not like, I am paying, I'm getting enough money to pay for the next book, like yes. to get started on the next book. Like, And hopefully I'm never I'm hoping that you get discovered or that someone picks it up and yeah. gets it out to a wider audience. You know, yeah, exactly. You just, yeah. Yeah. And 
I, and I'm very lucky. And I always will explain that. Like, I am very lucky to have gotten books published by a publisher. Like, mm -hmm. like my first comp, like junior Braves the apocalypse came out through a publisher. I didn't have to pay for that. Like my first real comic book work was someone who paid me. They didn't pay me that lot, a lot because nobody makes money in comics. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There, are, there are 10 people in comics who like- Unless you like the money. Jim Lee, the Jeff Johns, the, yeah. you know, the, the, the C.B. Sabolsky, those kind of people, they make yeah. money out of comics. But yeah. They make money. And, and a lot of the money, like uh, Matt Fraction will talk yeah. about how like, he, the most money he ever got from comics was not from comics. It was from Hollywood optioning the rights to one of his books- yeah. He's like, I, I was only able to afford a house. Like I bought my first house because of Hollywood money. Like was that was, was that waiting, um six criminals? I don't think it was. It was if memory serves, like when he like the book he said the 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 rights got him able to buy a house was a book of his I had not read. Oh really? Um, okay. I think so. I think it's even like predates Casanova. Like oh wow. Uh, like a long ass time ago. Um, and that's and there is a comics is weird because everyone wants to kind of pretend that they're in it for the love yeah um, and of course and 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 a lot of us are we're in it for the love like you wouldn't mm. be doing this unless you loved it mm. but anyone who says that they would turn up their nose to like hollywood money is lying or has a trust fund like yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah like we yeah. all want our art to pay us yes That's why we don't just 100%. put it up on you know on our own you know personal blog like we all are trying to like make it so we can live off yeah. doing something fun and that's it me and, me and jamie used to be back in the day we used to be musicians so we were the same you know we were back in the punk rock era we were in uh, two punk bands and you know while we loved it and it gave me some of the best times of my life i wanted to be able to live off that you know what i mean like it, yeah if it just makes it that much more worthwhile. It doesn't mean that you're going to produce anything less than perfect when you're writing mm -hmm. for yourself, but still the appreciation. And to be honest with you, if you can get it published by a publisher, it's going to be seen by a whole bunch more people than it would yeah, yeah. necessarily. And that's what you want. And only press is good. I remember my favorite, one of my favorite comics. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, uh, you know, Charles soul uh -huh. letter, letter 44. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, on Only Press, I loved that. That was, and so that's why when you said Only Press, I'm like, okay. Um, yeah, I used to get um, back back in back in the day. Um, we used to get kind of like Oni care packages, oh, where no. they would send creators like a box of like, hey, these are like a couple books that are coming out. You get kind of sneak preview, and so like Letter Forty Four was one of the first ones I got. Made me feel like I had arrived as like they sent yeah. me comics. Like, exactly. yes um this is yeah. real i'm a professional they <laughs> sent me something for free <laughs> exactly and and for, for the fact like charles soul did one of my favorite runs on daredevil and mm -hmm. um like i i actually reached out to him after i got the first trade of letter 44 and he actually replied back to me he, we had a bit of a conversation on twitter and i thought that was really good because i'm like i'm just gonna write this guy's not gonna see it i'm just gonna tell him i really really love this book and I hope you make it for a long, long time. It was that's all it was. And the fact that he retweeted and said, "Hey, thank you for the feedback," you know, all this and I, it was really good, you know. Um, and he seems like such a nice bloke. But yeah, I, as soon as you said only press, I'm like, I know that. Um, 
can you get your can you that that book you were talking about with Oni Press? Can you get that on Comicsology as well? I'd Absolutely. Really like uh, yeah, either Junior Braves or Orcs in Space. Uh, they're both on Comicsology. Excellent. No, definitely. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two questions that may or may not extend this podcast. We'll try not. Um, one is comic related. One is wrestling related. So we'll start okay. with comic book related. So obviously you're a comic book writer. So who is your favorite comic book favorite comic book writer of all time and favorite artist of all time mm, that's a really good one uh i i think for artists i'll answer the artist one first mm-hmm. favorite of all time i think it's going to be jim lee yeah i think he is so iconic mm-hmm. um because it's one of the there's same i will put uh john Byrne in the same kind of mm-hmm. category although he's not my favorite when Jim Lee drew a character that became what that character should look like. Um, and that's like, it's, it's for the, like the nineties on through nineties through early two thousands, like during when he was working, like not just doing special stuff and he wasn't just in the office, like when he was doing, yeah, doing art. Um, it just became like, that's what he should look like. That's what Captain America should look like. That's what Psylocke should look like. That's what Wolverine should look like. That's what Black Widow should look like. If it was like, not just X-Men characters, like if they showed up anywhere, like that Nick Fury yeah. only looks right when he looks like Jim Lee drew him. Um, and that's like in, in the eighties, like John Byrne, like mm-hmm. the, very similar, like, Cause he had like a very, like Jim Lee had style, but also clarity where yeah. John Byrne had clarity. Like I knew exactly what those characters look like after John Byrne would draw them. Um, so like, so artists, it's, I think it's Jim Lee. I think it's gotta be Jim Lee. I love Jim Lee's uh, Batman. That's my favorite of all time. Exactly. Like that is like, so like, I, like the first time I saw Jim Lee's Batman, I'm like, that's what Batman looks like. Now. Yeah. Where I think, like, before that, I might have, like, immediately flashed to, like, something weird, like, Norm Brayfogle's Batman, who, like, demon ears and, like, yep. looked like scary monster man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Jim Lee, like, it's, like, that's what that character looks like yep. now. Um, writer, I'm going to go with kind of a odd one, uh, which is Ray Fox. Okay. Um, because he's the only comic book writer that ever made me cry. Um his book, The People Inside, uh-huh. uh, is a is a piece of art. Like I think it's it's one of the greatest graphic novels ever written. Because um, he did he he started he taught himself so he taught himself how to draw. So it's he drew that book because he he knew what he wanted to do with the the first book was uh, called One Soul, um, and he knew what he wanted to do, and he knew he could not convey that to an artist as well as he wanted to. So he's like, I have to teach myself how to draw so I could do this book. Okay. Um, and so One Soul is kind of, I forget what the, the grid is, but it's grid, grid style, like eight by eight. Um, each panel follows one character oh, wow. um, through the whole book, but it can be informed. Like you, can, you could pick up that book, read the first panel, on each page and follow that one character storyline from beginning to end. Um, or if you read it like you would a normal comic left to right, then, you know, row by row, it, you would get all these different character stories, but they would also flow and inform each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it works pretty well. When he did The People Inside, similar format, um, but he had, he had kind of mastered it when he did The People Inside. Uh, follows different characters and you would have if two characters like met 
um, their panels would be next to each other. So it'd become one big panel. Mm-hmm. You see those two characters are normally like right next to each other, but they meet, it's one panel. Uh, and it, it's their life story. So as those characters pass away, those panels become black. Oh. And so by the end of the book with the final character, like it's, it's same panel grid outline, but they're all black. Um, I was reading it on my lunch break at work oh, at a public man. park. Mm-hmm. And so I walked back into my office, like mm-hmm. tears, like coming down mm-hmm. my face. So Ray Fox, I think like, I've, I've never really been asked that question before. And I'm glad you did. Cause it really, really okay. yeah, and he's a very nice guy. Uh, I've stopped bringing it up so much because I feel like I make him really uncomfortable. Because um, <laughs> like, like it's it's one thing like we're like oh like at a like at a convention together and Oni's like doing a dinner like we're at a dinner party together whatever and be like oh you know I love blah blah blah. But because whenever whenever anyone brings up like oh what's your like what's your favorite graphic novel or like oh what, like I just on Twitter like two days ago someone was like what graphic novel made you cry I was like I used to tag him in it but i felt like it was just like very uncomfortable as like a work acquaintance who's really into whatever like you were uh saying oh my computer's freaking out right now oh. well i'm definitely going to check that out hopefully i can find it on comicsology because um i i honestly i i read comics every day of the week um there's only a few that have made me cry have you ever read i kill giants i have not but i've had that recommended to me it's only because I went through a similar thing as the main characters. My, I lost my mom about 11 years ago. So mm. I read it around that time. And I literally, I'm the same as you. I read it on my lunch break and I've gone back into work and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, it's the worst. I read a comic book. <laughs> oh, and that, that's honestly, so I'm going to look that up as well. But yeah, uh, I feel like comics are really unrelated. Unre- underrated that way because I have there have been certain moments where I, in my life when I've been reading you might even be Spider-Man and Batman are my all-time favorites and Spider-Man has made me cry so many times in the comics um because I feel like he's the everyday like he's broke he's you know yeah. what I mean like he's he just wants to make life yeah you know, and, and I feel like if you if the art if the, the art, not only is it the writer but if the artist can make you cry because of what you're reading so mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to check that book out. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. I do it. It's kind of a selfish question for me too, because I do like to get recommendations. <laughs> um, so 100%. No, that's so, so that's Ray Fox and yep. The People Inside, was it? The People Inside, yeah. Excellent. And now my next question, I'll try not to make it go on too long. It is wrestling related. So <laughs> Jamie, go make a coffee if you like. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Jamie doesn't like wrestling. He doesn't. He, he obviously knows The Rock and John Cena and stuff like that. We've been um, through this. My favorite wrestler is is Bonesaw. Oh, Macho Man from <laughs> from Spider Man. Yeah, I try. I I try. I try to teach Jamie. Yeah, that's actually Macho Man Randy Savage. He's a, a <laughs> no. It's Bonesaw. <laughs> um, so, who's your favorite male and female wrestler of all time? Uh, Randy Macho Man Savage is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, that's that's my answer uh, now because um, previously my favorite wrestler was uh, Chris Benoit. Oh was, yeah, okay, yeah, it's touching. Like yeah. literally, he was my f- favorite. Like, mm-hmm. like he's what got me into wrestling yeah. in 1997. Yeah. Um, like after like friends were like, oh, you got to watch WCW now. It's great. Like the guys this thing NWO and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like I remember turning it on, and it was the 
Benoit Booker T best of seven TV title series. Oh, yes, which yes. I'm like, this is amazing. Yes. And that just made me like a Benoit fan. Um, it's, so then like, yeah. Uh, and then also because... to find out like, not only was like, did he like do a horrible thing, yeah. but also that it, he was actually kind of a dick in real life. Yeah. That um, was very disappointing. So even though Randy was a dick in real life and yeah. was kind of awful he seemed to definitely have mellowed out in his old yeah. age and oh, he definitely happy did. that he got to even though he died way too young mm-hmm. he got to mellow out um but yeah like uh yeah macho man definitely macho man like, as a kid i even went before he face turned um he was my favorite like bad guy and then when he mm-hmm. face turned that just made me like yay randy so um, you were you a fan of the mega powers Oh of, say, Hogan and Savage? oh of course that was like a dream come true because yeah. as like a kid i'm a hulk hogan mark because i'm a kid of course uh, everyone like was a hulkamaniac back then exactly <laughs> and i was i was very lucky that as a kid where um i had a gadgety uncle who oh, could no. um hook us up with like a satellite dish oh. and a satellite box yeah so i got to see those pay-per-views um as a kid okay. um so like i loved you know I started I think it was Wrestlemania 4 like yeah. every like I, I'm pretty sure I saw every pay-per-view which you know there are fewer pay-per-views there like four a year but I think yeah. I saw every WWF pay-per-view from Wrestlemania 4 mm-hmm. through maybe seven yeah um and so I considered myself very lucky as a kid to being able to see those um see those live and just like cheer and be like I am seeing something amazing oh 100% like I remember what we had, because in Australia, was we didn't have any of that. We didn't have the W. We had um, Saturday morning superstars, um, mm-hmm. which used to be Saturday morning. But my one of my best friends at the time, his dad ran a pub. And in Australia, uh, not really country, but back in those days, pubs rented VCR, like events tapes. And he, because he knew me and him loved the wrestling, he would get all the old pay-per-views on so we would start from i think the first one was was wrestlemania 7 the one that was at in las vegas with the the roman theme that sounds right yeah that's the one we started on uh and then we went like royal rumble is my is still my all-time favorite pay-per-view uh i will watch it every year whether i agree with wwe Uh, okay watch it every single year and you know what i watched wrestlemania this year and it was absolutely amazing i absolutely love it but um Going at seeing as Macho Man was your favorite, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Do you want to give me your best Macho Man? Um, I'll do it too. I, to make make you feel okay. comfortable. <clears throat> I gotta, you gotta you gotta loosen up your yeah. throat a little bit to do it. <laughs> oh yeah, you know Mean Gene. When you are on the top of the mountain, there are those who are gonna come chipping and chopping and trying to bring you down. But you gotta say no. You gotta say no, cause you're the king. You're the king. You're the cream of the crop. Okay, I'm not even doing mine because that just killed it. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> I Thank love you. it. I just, oh, that was spot on. That was apt. And Jamie, as you would know, his character Bonesaw in Spider Man was literally just the Macho Man as done by Michael there. Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, look, I agree with that. That that whole era and the, the whole Miss Elizabeth, Hulk Hogan, yeah. Macho Man triangle, as they called it. You know, yep. such a for too long, man. Like, you're lingering and stuff. I've seen the lust in your <laughs> eyes. 
awesome. And who's your, who's female wrestler of all time? I got uh, all time. I was although I like I don't really watch too much now, mm-hmm. but I like I loved Asuka uh, yep. when when from when I first saw her. Yep. Um, so like that Oscar Charlotte match from yeah. I think like three or four years ago now, it seems like forever. I was like, that match is amazing. That was like the best match on the card. Um, so I got, I still got to go with Oscar, even though I'm not really watching too much right now. I'll, Charlotte I'll Flair is obviously her, her, her father's daughter. She can, yeah. she is one of the best workers um, in wrestling. I'm not even going to say in females in wrestling today. Yeah. I mean, when you've got a dad like Ric Flair, which I'm sure Jamie's even heard of, Ric Flair. Haven't you, Jamie? Heard the name. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ric Flair is like, you've got a big, but she, yeah, I know, unfortunately, Asuka hasn't been on TV for quite a while now, which is a shame because she's such a good wrestler. Um, but yeah, I will 100% agree. Look, I'm going to put, if you put anyone in the ring with Charlotte Flair, um, mm. you're going to get a five-star match. She, yeah. She's good on the stick. She's good. She, and she's a heel at the moment, and she loves it. You can tell she people just boo her, and she's just like the old Ric Flair days, you know, just bring it in. I, I know I'm what you paid to pay money for. So, absolutely. Like, she, she's one of those people who should only really work as a heel. 100%. I'm kind of like, whenever, like, whenever Rick was a baby face, it was just, you know, a cup of coffee for his yep. next heel turn. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of how Charlotte should be treated. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and like they didn't call Rick Rick Flair the dirtiest player in the game for for no reason. Yeah, you know I mean, like I can go back and watch some of his old stuff with the NWA and and Harley Race and uh, King Kong Bundy and all those back in the day. So yeah, hundred percent, man. Thank you for taking the time to answer my personal questions about comics. Yeah. <laughs> comics to wrestling is all I live. You know what I mean? So when Jamie told me that to we're going to have you on the podcast, I was this is just perfect. Are you having me on the podcast or what? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you taking the time to to answer those questions for me, even though they weren't on the list. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna let Jamie talk now. All right, yeah. No, we we don't want to keep you too long because we know you got another interview coming right up. But do you just want to talk about your mm. podcast? Um, tell us what it's about. Um, I had a bit of a listen. I know what it's about, but um, yeah, tell our listeners. Uh, so it's a monthly show. So we only, so it's if you want to get into it, it's real easy because we've been doing it for like three years and we only have like thirty episodes. You can jump in at any point. Uh, so we have a panel of usually it's either writers or comedians, sometimes both, uh, who come on and they're given a topic ahead of time. So like um, uh, for an upcoming episode, we're doing pitch a comeback vehicle for an actor who needs a comeback. And so our, our, oh, no. our panelists will kind of prepare and they'll come on and they'll pitch their their comeback. So if it could be like, I think, uh, <laughs> I'm to think of an actor like, I, th- I think uh, Ed Helms needs a comeback. He hasn't really done too much high profile stuff. So I think he should uh, star in a TV show about blank and it should be about this. And it, these other actors should be on it too. So they get a topic and then they, they pitch their idea on it. Uh, or someone might be like, I think Ed Helms uh, should host a cooking show because I think it would be fun to watch him cook stuff. And it should be on, um, it should be on Peacock. And they should have a guest from every new Peacock show on. Um, so it's it's pretty like kind of loose. A lot of times just due to the nature of like ease for our guests, it's pitch a movie or pitch a TV show. Because yeah. um, those are kind of simple. Um, we have done things like uh, pitch, like what comic book you think should be turned into a movie and what the movie should be. So like mm-hmm. someone did Ambush Bug, which is kind of- Oh, was, yeah. 
Yeah, Amish, who's kind of Deadpool before Deadpool in a way. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. So, like, one one of the panelists pitched, like, this is what I think an ambush bug movie should okay. be. Or um, one of the other guests was like, I really think the, the comic Bitch Planet is really good and should get a movie. And this is what the movie yes. should be. Um, yes. Which is great because uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, uh, the writer, retweeted uh, my tweet about uh, really? promoting that episode. Yeah. Um, He's such a good, I love Kelly. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. So we so oh, it's wow. really simple like that. Usually uh, we used to do like two prepared pitches uh, and a surprise pitch, but now we're just doing a surprise pitch and the prepared pitch. So the pr- surprise pitch will be something that is more keyed into whatever, like if a new movie's coming out or like um, some other thing that's happening in the now, mm-hmm. which is like, hey guys, you have two minutes to think of your pitch. So. Uh, the most famous example we always do is when the first Venom movie came out and we're like, okay, Baskin Robbins is doing a mm-hmm. movie tie-in ice cream flavor for Venom. What should that flavor be? And what should the ice cream look like? And so Vegemite. a lot of it was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's good too. Uh, there's a lot of like shellfish and lobster flavored ice cream uh, and with squid ink, uh, like diet black. So it's like black ice cream. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It's a... Uh, usually runs about an hour so it's not too long you can usually uh, if you've got a long yep. commute you can either listen to it all on your way to work or break it up uh yeah. like first half second half but it's called burn after pitching i don't know if i knows that i mentioned that so burn after pitching uh on twitter we're at burn pitching or yeah burn pitching excellent wonderful i've just subscribed now as we speak so i'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long drive home tomorrow from um, from my dad's place, so I'm looking for something. There you go. We did, uh, for our holiday episode, um, we had people pitching uh, a movie starring John Cena and Florence Pugh. Um, did anyone yeah. say The Invisible Man? <laughs> no. Well, that one was a very fun... We, usually for our holiday episodes, we do a unique gimmick. Um, right. So for this one, for our past holiday episode was... One writer uh, was given just movie starring John Cena and Florence Pugh. And so he pitched his version of the movie. And then we did studio notes to send to the next panelist. So the next panelist got to listen to that pitch. And then we're told, Mm -hmm. oh, the studio wants it to be more science fiction. Uh, Can you make it more science fiction-y? So then that person would do record their pitch of doing the science fiction version of the John Cena Florence Pugh movie using the same premise. Mm-hmm. And then the studio would have further notes and send it to another panelist to listen to. <laughs> so it was like a kind of a game of telephone. Nice. Um, so like by the end, the original pitch was like, uh, the first, the original pitch was uh, Florence Pugh and John Cena are going to our future in-laws who get stuck in a cabin together over Christmas. And John Cena is, um, uh, oh, it's it's a world where Santa is real, like undeniably real. Yeah. Uh, he brings presents to all the children of okay. the world. But John Cena's character is a Santa denier. Mm-hmm. He believes that there is a group of people who uh, believe Santa is a conspiracy by big government. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then so it's like the next one is like, oh, make it more sci-fi. So it's like, oh, Santa might actually be an alien trying to take over. The, like it kind of escalated in different ways. Um, so that's a that's a really fun episode if you're looking for a uh, for one to get into. I'm definitely going to get that one. For listen sure. to that one and then be like, why are the rest yeah. of the episodes not this format? And like, oh. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, 100. I'll be I'll be checking that out for sure. Oh, that sounds awesome. It's just you know, I mean, a lot of podcasts are the same, and it's when you find I'm I'm always looking for something different because 
uh, as I said, a massive nerd, massive wrestling. So, I mean, I've really enjoyed our chat with you today. So, I'm going to jump on and have a listen to that podcast on the way home tomorrow. So, that's awesome. So, okay, just one last time. Where Plug your books. Where can okay. people buy them? Where, where they get them? Because we want to try and help as much as possible. And the Kickstarter, make sure you plug that. Because we'll put a link to it because I'm going to go to it after we finish. We'll put a link in the, on the video on the screen and also in the notes. Awesome. Okay, so first... You go to my website, buymichaeltanner.com, yep. where you can find out about all my stuff, different books I've done. You can visit my web store where you can buy the books. If you're in the United States, mm-hmm. I can ship them to you for free. Internationally, message me of and course. I'll let you know what it is. Um, if you uh, like digital comics, you can go to Comixology where you can read uh, Orcs in Space or Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. And then go to kickstarter.com mm-hmm. in the search bar type battle grapple rebel and you'll go to my sci-fi pro wrestling comic book uh the kickstarter campaign ends may 9th so Mm -hmm. get in while the getting's good wonderful thank you so much for coming on michael thank you so much for having me this was so much fun i loved it i will definitely invite you guys on burn after pitching sweet um we actually have another friend that would be perfect for it you know you know chris um ryan yeah how good would he be at burn after pitching he, he doesn't even need preparation. You'd so say, uh, we, we used to do we used to do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Um, it wasn't we we used the base of fifth edition, um, and then also got into fusion a little bit too. Uh, but yeah, he he is the world builder. He was the DM, mm. and man, that was yeah. He, he I don't know where he gets his ideas from. So hundred percent, he'd be awesome. <laughs> nice, but um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and um, thanks for listening, guys. And we will catch you next time.